This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're going to be going through another praise song. It's a long praise song. And so I'm going to have to move fairly quickly. So let's get started. It says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, a song, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. And so many times we worship God, we, we seek God out, but the truth is we don't really actually believe him. We don't, uh, we don't believe what he says. Because if you believe what he says, your actions would indicate that. And so many times we say we believe God's victorious. We say we believe God's, that God is, is sovereign and that he is working his will and his way out in the universe. We say that with our mouths, but our hearts are far from it because we don't actually believe that God is going to do those things because our what we do is we try to take care of our own selves. We don't uh, allow his what he has revealed to be fully a part of what we do and how we see things. We don't live each day according to that. And David was a man who was, the Bible says he was after God's own heart. And the reason he was after God's own heart is because he intentionally sought God out. He intentionally sought out what he uh, said and did. And then he believed what God said and he put it into act. And when he says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let those who uh, those also who hate him flee before him. He believed that. And the reason I know he believed that is because when he showed up to that uh, battlefield as a young man and saw that giant across the field yelling about God, the God he actually knew, but apparently none of the men, the army knew because now they may have heard of him. They may have, they may have at times ascended with words to what he'd done, but to who he was, but didn't really believe him because they didn't walk out on that battlefield and believe that God was going to overcome Goliath. There was only one who did that, and that was that teenage boy, David. And the reason David overcame is because he believed God was... And let me say, there there is an effort in the world to, to tamp down the Christian faith and Christianity. And let me tell you, it's being effective. It's very effective because... And the reason it's effective is because the world is basically saying, do you really believe what you say? And just like on that battlefield, the truth is when it comes time to really say, I believe what I say and I'm going to be who I say I'm going to be. When it really comes time to do it, let your feet do the walking, get to it. He believed that and, and that's, who, that's what made him David. He believed God, it's credited him as righteousness and he walked in it. He says, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. The truth is the enemy melts away quickly when God's people stand up. The real question is not whether or not the enemy melts quickly when God's people stand up, when the power of God 
is unveiled in the faith of its of God's people. The the the, the truth is that's not a that's not a that's not a novel or new idea. The question is whether or not God's people in a day or an age or a time or a season are willing to actually do it. And the real question is, or is God's people, do God's people actually believe as smoke just dissipates, as wax melts away, so do the enemies of God when God's people stand up? The question is, do, do we really believe that? He says, but let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Joy comes from uh, seeing the hand of God at work in your life, seeing the hand of God work at, at work in your life ne necessarily requires faith. It necessarily requires that you trust what he says. You, can, you, you can't have God's joy. You can't have God's fulfillment. God's joy is not a emotional high for the moment. God's joy is an abiding joy. It's a long-term joy. It's a long-term peace. And and God's joy does not come with, with an emotional uplifting moment. God's joy comes with a continual walk by faith with him. He says, sing to God, sing praise to his name. And, and let me tell you, I, I, I like to be a part of, of powerful emotional worship. But the truth is that that type of worship only really happens among a people who are a consistent uh, source of joy. I've, I've been to places where they say, man, that church has great worship. Then I show up and sure, the people up on stage are, are boy, they're all into it. They're fired up about it. But the people in the congregation, you look around, people got their hands in their pockets. People just standing there looking around. Some people even looking on their phones while it's going on. The show up front has nothing, it really is not where the power, what's going up on, on up front is just a group of people leading, using their spiritual in a worship service. What the real power is found in the people out in the congregation and great worship has nothing to do with what's going on up front. Great worship starts and ends with God's people and God's people only worship him in power and in truth. They only worship him in power and in truth when they actually believe God and walk in what he says. That, uh, just plain fact, that's, that's it. He said, sing to God, sing praise to him, extol him who rides on the clouds. <clears throat> that, remind, that reminds me of uh, uh, Revelation chapter one, uh, behold, he cometh on the clouds. Do we really believe? I'm, I know I'm singing to the choir here. I'm, I'm in, in the, these morning Bible studies, I'm talking to God's people that I, obviously. But <clears throat> do we really believe that? I think we do. I oftentimes look around, I'm not sure, just not sure, just not sure. He says, sing to God, sing praises to him, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, yea, and rejoice before him. You can't have that rejoicing, abiding, just fantastic, power-filled, motion-ignited worship. You can't have that you can't have that unless you, if unless you walk in by faith, you just can't, and you can't conjure it up on Sunday morning. You just can't be conjured, and he's, it just ain't going to be. He says, a "Father of the Father, defender of widows." This is one of the things. This this is a thing you need to really focus in on if you want to. If you want to memorize a verse, this is one to memorize. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Is God in His holy habitation? Meaning, in his very core, who he is, he's a father to the fatherless, and he's a defender of the world. That's true 
If you want to talk about religion, which I don't talk about very much, there's only one true religion, the Bible says, and that's a, that's to take care of the widows and, and the orphans. And ministry needs to start there for sure, no matter what. And being a father to the fatherless is a calling God has for his people. And, and I think we actually, that can answer that call. He says, God sets the solitaire, God sets the, uh, solitary in families, meaning he takes the individual, the lost person, and he gives them a family. And that's what the church is about. That's what the church is about. God sets the solitary in families. He He, he brings those who are, are all alone and makes them a part of his family, the family of God. He brings out those who are bound into, into a prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. What he's saying is he, he makes his people prosperous. But those who are rebellious, he doesn't. And and remember, you can't rebel against something you don't. He's not talking about his. He's not talking about the wicked. He's talking about the rebellious. Remember, re, the great rebellion of the Bible was God's people rebelling in the wilderness at the foot of Mount Sinai. It's it's it's, it's God's people who rebel. And what do they rebel against? They rebel against what God says. He says the rebellious live in a dry land. You ever been a spiritually dry land? There are times when God takes you out in the wilderness like he did Jesus. There are times when that happens. But the truth is that there's times you're in a dry land is because you've heard God and you ain't done what he said. Wow, preacher, you on the road today. That's right. He said, oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, he's talking about David's hearkening back. And that's one of the one of the signs of, of a, a person who's been through the spiritual battles and wars and believed God and seen victory. He goes back and thinks about the things God has done in the past, and he, he strengthens himself in them. He says, oh, God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. He's talking about it, bringing them out of Egypt into, into the promised land, in, well, into it, to Sinai to meet with him. You, O oh God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. What he's saying is God is the one who confirms what his plans are and what he's done. And he, he confirms his inheritance or what he's prepared for us. He says, your congregation dwelt in it, meaning God's people actually lived in it. They didn't just uh, give it lip service. He says, your congregation dwelt in it. You, O oh God, provided from your goodness for the poor. You took care of the poor and the needy. In our day in society, we want the system, the society to take care of the poor and the needy. We want the system to, the government to, to do that. We, we spent thousands and thousands of years for the, with the government taking care of the poor and the needy. And that's when the poor were 99.9% of, of all. The, when God steps in, there aren't poor and needy. The poor and needy are taken care of. And they're taught to walk with God. And they're taught to be victorious. And they're taught to have God's best. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company, those who proclaimed it. Meaning God spoke and many heard it and believed it and spoke it themselves. Kings of armies flee. They flee. And she who remains home divides the spoil. Meaning, meaning God, God drives the armies out and everybody prospers from it. Even the women who stay home in the midst of the battle, he says, they divide the spoils themselves. He says, kings of armies flee, they flee, and she drove, and, and she who remains at home divides the spoils. 
Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and their feathers with yellow gold. What he's saying is you're going to have the very best. He says, even though you feel like you're lying in the sheep pen and you're nothing, he says, you're going to be covered with the wings of peace, the dove, and you're going to have the riches of silver and gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. That's what happens when God's people actually believe him. He says, a mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with uh, envy, you mountains of many peaks? He says, this is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. And he's talking about, for me, I just got back from Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, and, and the Grand Tetons are a, a, a line of mountains. There's three of them. It really looks like four or five, but there's three of them, supposedly, anyway. And, and it's just a line of mountains. It's glorious when you're coming toward it, even 40, 50, 60 miles away. You just see its power and it's, it's, it, it just sticks out and it's beautiful. And that's who God is when he's in his full power. He says, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. What he's saying is God's got God's army and God's powers innumerable. We believe that. He says, you have ascended on high. You have led, you have led captive, captivity captive, which means he took captive that which is holding his people. He, 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 he destroyed captivity. He says, the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You've led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Um, need I say more? I don't, I don't think so. He says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Does he daily load you with benefits? Do you even recognize them? Are you even looking for them? He said, but God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp on, uh, of the one who still goes on his uh, trespasses. The Lord said, I'll bring back from Bashan. I'll bring them back from the depths of the sea that your foot may crush them in blood and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. He's going to take care of things. He's in charge of them. We need to be about his business during the day. They have seen your procession, O God, the procession of the procession of my, of my God, my King into the sanctuary. The singers went before the players on instruments followed after. This is, talking about entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with place. He says, they have seen your procession, O God, meaning our enemies have. This is what the forces of darkness see when we enter into worship. This is the spiritual look at that. He says, they have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King into the sanctuary. The singers went before, the players of instrument followed after. Among them were the maidens playing timbrels, Bless, bless God in the congregation, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is, there is little Benjamin, their leader, the prince of Judah and their company, the prince of Zebulun and the prince of Naphtali. He says, your God has commanded your strength and O God, what you have done for us because of your temple at Jerusalem. Kings will be 
kings will bring presents to you. It's a glorious, it's a, it's amazing thought of what actually is going on when God's people worship. I'm very excited about our worship and how our worship is moving and how God's people are, are worshiping. I, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see more and more. I want to see uh, uh, greater days. I, I want to be a part of that. He says, rebuke the beast of reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of people till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. And that's atonement. Silver represents the atoning sacrifice and, and the bulls and the calves represent our own flesh and the atoning sacrifice is made for our flesh till everyone submits themselves with pieces of silver. Scatter the people who delight in war. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. See, what we do has, has great significance. It has great significance. And it's important in the times that we live in that we meet, that we worship, and that we encourage each other each and every day to be uh, God's people in the midst of the issues of the day. He says, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heaven uh, of heavens, which are of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice. Another, another verse to memorize, verse 32, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing his praise to the Lord. To him who rides on the heavens of heavens, which are old, indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice. When we sing, God speaks to us. He, he, his voice is easily heard. When we worship, his plan is easily seen. And that, you know that. When you leave, act upon it. When we meet together, God speaks. He does. And, and our expectations have to be that when he speaks, victory is already there in the midst of it. He says, ascribe strength to God, meaning expect God's strength. Ascribe to him strength, expect it. His excellence is over Israel and his strength is in the clouds. Oh God, you are my awesome. You are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. I think about that song, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be his name. I'm, I, I, I believe that the spark that began maybe even uh, as, as, as far back as is 18 months ago that, that began where we are and who we are as a church was prepared for us to see days that this psalm is talking about. And, and what that means is that in preparation for that, in, in, in planning for that, we must walk in it. And we must be faithful in the midst of the times and the seasons where it seems like the things we do have less of a significance and less of an impact than we would expect. God is going to test his people to see if they're willing to be faithful, even when in the moment, it does not seem as if what we're doing has the impact that it is. You gotta remember, God's, God builds strength and momentum, and he 
he first ensures that his people are going to be faithful when their senses do not indicate that their faithfulness is having any impact, but their faith uh, still believes in God's promise. I, I tell you just a small story. I, I remember the first church I pastored and I showed up really at the worst possible Sunday to start pastoring a church, and that was Easter Sunday. And you say, that sounds like the best Sunday. It's not because God's people in, in, in the United States have a tendency to see Easter as the big celebration that leads into not going to church all summer long till you get back to the fall. And it was so at the first church I pastored. It was a big Sunday. And then after that, the summer was just bare. It was just barren. And it was real barren. Not like we've had a great summer especially considering the issues that we have faced and overcome. But I can remember in the heat of the middle of that first summer, I can remember showing up and I got there early and I, I met people at the door, front door, because I, 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 I needed them to see some encouragement when they showed up because the, the numbers weren't necessarily encouraging in any way. I kept praying, God, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do to turn this thing around? Because it looks like it's going to fail before we ever really get started. And I remember him saying, you do what I tell you to do consistently. Keep doing it. Keep showing up. Keep being encouraging. Keep smiling. Keep expecting. Keep speaking, God, my word, and I will build the momentum in it. And that is true. If we keep being faithfully obedient and keep uh, pouring in and pouring in, all of a sudden you just reach this spot and it's just one of those spots where you just, you don't even know it's coming. You just reach that tipping point and all of a sudden just God pours out all over everything. But you got to keep pouring in. You got to keep pouring in to do it. And, and, and you got to believe it and walk in it and walk in it. And then all of a sudden, at the time, really, you least expect it. God, that tipping point is reached and God just pours out all over everything. But a lot of people never experience that and they never see that. They want that instant gratification. They want that instant expectation. They want that instant momentary joy that, that is so fleeting and it's so vacuous. It, it really is it's like a vapor. It just dissipates quickly. They want that. And so when they don't, when they don't get the overwhelming flows of joy, they give up and they're like a wandering child. They just move on to the next thing. And that's why you get a lot of church hoppers in, in, in the body of Christ because they're looking for the big thing. But the truth is they never ever invest anything into it. So even when the big thing comes, they're really not reaping any of it for themselves because they didn't do hard work of faith and walking by faith to get there. And, and, and one of the reasons why I came to Lake Community Church is because I saw people who I, I believed willing to do that work and, and had been willing in probably one of the most we weird, different times that we could ever imagine. We started church in November. I started worship in November. And basically the plague of, of 100 years hits five months into it. But in the midst of that, we have been faithful. And I can promise you this. If we remain faithful and we remain true to his word and doing what he says, if we remain doing those things, that tipping point is coming. And it might not come for another six months or a year. It might not come for two years. But that tipping point is coming. 
And when that tipping point hits, it's just going to pour out all over everything. It's going to be, it, you, you will look back and think God was true and faithful, and you're going to be able to reap the benefits of that and, and see it in its fullness. And I believe we're people that can handle that and can use it for good and great things for the people that we live among, and, and, and they can see a, a great movement of God. And I pray for that, and I expect that. And I'm going to speak that as if, as if they're words from God because they are. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.